Good morning, everybody. Good morning, kids. Good to have the kids with us. It's Family Fellowship Month, my, fav- my new favorite month. Um, it was cool in the first service to have some of the kids interacting with me as I preach the word. Um, I'll ask some questions, and you guys feel free to blurt out the answer. Um, we had a, a kid in the first service. We, we got a lot to learn from kids. Let's put it that way. Um, we'll get there. But um, it's good to have the kids with us and good to have everyone else with us as we worship God. That's what church is all about. It's about giving worship and glory to God, the glory that's due his name. And we do that through singing like we just did. We also do that through reading God's word and hearing God's word preached. This is all an offering of worship to God. So we're going to look at God's word today. We're going to look at a parable. Um, We looked at a parable last week. Anybody remember what's a parable? A story. You don't got to raise your hand, Mason. You can yell it out next time. I'll give you permission. Yeah, it's a story. It's a story that Jesus tells, and it's to prove a point. And Jesus usually has a main primary point that he is teaching through a parable. So last week, we talked about um, the wise builder, and then what was the other builder? Foolish, yeah. And, what, and, and the, the wise builder built his house on what? The rock and the foolish built his house in the sand. So that was a, a parable of contrast that Jesus gave to teach us um, how to build our house on the rock by hearing what Jesus says and obeying. And we're going to see another uh, parable that Jesus tells this week. And he's going to, the point that Jesus wants to get across in this parable is how to be made right with God. That seems pretty important, right? How to be made right with God. And the word you're going to see here is justified. So that's the name, that's the title of the sermon today. Um, how to be justified. Justified in the Bible means to be made right with God, to be declared not guilty and righteous before God. So when you see the word justified in your Bibles, that's what it means, to be made right with God. And Jesus wants to tell us through the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector how to be justified, how to be made right with God. So we're going to get into it now. It's Luke 18, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Uh, Dana, you can put it up on the screen. All right, cool. So let's read it. You guys can see it? Oh, boy. So I actually asked Dana to do this on purpose. Dana, you can take it down. The reason I wanted Dana to do that is because when it comes to being made right with God and a relationship with God, I think that many of us in this world, certainly, and even in the church, can come out, come, come to it upside down and look at it from an upside down way. Um, even in the church, I believe that we do this. We are hardwired to see a relationship with God to happen in an upside-down way. And Jesus wants to turn that right side up for us today. We are, we are used to doing good and getting good, um, checking off boxes and being rewarded for it. And Jesus wants to flip that upside-down today through this parable. And that's why I wanted to grab your guys' attention with that because I, my prayer is that Jesus would show us the right-side-up way to be right with God today. So let's... Put it right side up and read Luke 18, 9 through 14. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, 
or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Father, fill us all with your spirit, Lord, to hear your word, Lord, and believe your word and and understand what Jesus wants us to understand from this parable. Open our eyes, God. Open our ears, Lord, and open our mouths to cry out to you for mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a parable by Jesus. He's talking about getting right with God. And if you want a little life hack, when you're reading parables and you want to find out what the main point is, sometimes just look at the first sentence and sometimes it just tells you. A lot of times it just tells you. So what does verse 9 says? He told this parable to who? Those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So this is who he's telling this parable to. And he wants us to see something here. Jesus wants to get a, a um, very strong point across. And he uses the, the method of contrast like we saw last week. Not this, but that. Wise builder, foolish builder. We saw it a couple weeks ago. Wide road, narrow road. Good fruit, bad fruit. Jesus uses this method a lot, and he's doing it again here. He's talking about a Pharisee and a tax collector and showing you the striking difference so that he could teach us something through it. So that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on three contrasts of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Who they are, how they pray, and how they leave. Those are the contrasts that we're going to look at. So let's start with who they are. The Pharisee and the tax collector. Not terms that we throw around often in 2019. We don't, this isn't normal to us. Pharisee and tax collector, what is that? A Pharisee is the religious leader of the day. This guy has it together on the outside. He's got his Bible with him. He gets to church on time. He memorizes his Bible verses. He wins the sword drills. I don't know if you kids do that anymore. Um, he, you know, he tucks his shirt in. You know, he, he, he does all the laws and even adds some to the laws. We'll see that in his prayer. He, he even, he fasts twice a week, not just once a week. So this is the religious, this person you would look at and say, man, that person is religious. That person is godly. That's what it would look like on the outside. Contrast, the tax collector. The tax collector was the scum of the earth. Um, tax collectors were supposed to collect taxes from people for the government, but tax collectors in this day were infamous for collecting more than they should, and especially taking advantage of widows and orphans, and there were thieves. They were known as thieves and adulterers and and drunks, and this is the, the reputation tax collectors had. It was not good. So Jesus, do you guys see the contrast he's putting here? Mr. Religious, priest looking guy versus thief you know, adulterer, sinner. That's the contrast he's putting forward. So even just who they are, Jesus is starting this contrast. But then he goes on. Jesus is telling the story, and he, he, he tells us how they pray. So let's look at the Pharisee's prayer. It starts in verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, 
unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes in all that I get. That's the Pharisee's prayer. Whose righteousness does the Pharisee seem to be relying on? His own, right? You see it right there. He says, I. I fast twice a week. I give tithes in all that I get. Thank you that I am not like other men, even like this tax collector. He is trusting in his own righteousness. And a lot of times when I read the Gospels and I see the Pharisees, I look down on them like, come on, they don't get the Gospel. I get the Gospel. These guys, come on, these religious Pharisees, get that Pharisee out of here. But I believe that when we see the Pharisees in the Gospels, the Lord wants to get something done in our heart. Because unfortunately, if you did an x-ray of our heart, there is still some Pharisee in us. And it comes out often. Even this week, I'm, I'm, as I'm studying this, this text, I'm seeing that, man, I'm like this guy. How many times do I come to God in prayer and feel like my, my ability to come to him should be based on how many times I've prayed this week, how many times I've read the word, how I've been talking to my wife, how I've been working, if I've been working hard, if I've been doing things right? Because if so, God will really want to hear my prayers today. Or God will, will really want to answer my prayers Am I, am I the only one that does that? There's, a, there's some Pharisee in my heart that's depending on my own righteousness. And Jesus wants to expose that with us today. So we can look at the Pharisee and say, man, this guy, come on, he's trusting in himself. But I would challenge you to, to look, look, at, look at your own heart and see, is there any Pharisee in there that would trust in your own righteousness the way that the Pharisee is doing here? And, and one of the reasons I go to this text, if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, if, if, I, if I get the opportunity to open God's word and share the gospel with an unbeliever, this is one of the first places I go. And it's because, like we saw earlier, most of us come upside down to this idea of getting right with God. We think, we think like the tax collector. If you ask somebody about their religion or about their relationship with God, what are the first words that usually come out of their mouth? I. Well, I go to church. I was baptized as a kid. I, uh, I read the Bible once in a while. Oh, I like to pray. These are the words that we use because we trust in our own righteousness. That's why you hear this a lot when, when you ask people about their relationship with God because their view is upside down. And unfortunately, our view can be upside down as well. So the Pharisee is trusting in his own righteousness. We saw that. He also is treating the tax collector, and it says treating others with contempt. Contempt would be to look down upon somebody. And I, I, I'm, I think that like the law of gravity, what goes up must come down. I think that if you are trusting in your, right, in your own righteousness, you will always look at others with contempt. I see it in my own heart. If I'm trusting in my own righteousness and I did this this week and I did that and I prayed this many times and, I did, and I'm trusting in my own righteousness, if I see another person sinning, I'm just like, that person needs to get it together like me. This self-righteousness in our heart can lead to treating others with contempt. So we see that in the tax collector as well. So let's look at the tax collector's prayer. Continue the contrast. We just saw the Pharisee's prayer. He's trusting in his own righteousness. He's treating others with contempt. So let's look at the tax collector's prayer. Can a kid tell me which prayer, which prayer is shorter? What do you say? Oh, well, it's right there. So, so as, we, as we read it, we see one prayer is a little bit longer. Which prayer was longer? The Pharisees? 
So the Pharisee's prayer, he goes on a little bit, a couple sentences. Listen to the, to the um, tax collector's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That is the tax collector's prayer. Is he trusting in his own righteousness? No. He doesn't say, I. He doesn't bring anything to the table. He doesn't say, God, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. Can I be forgiven? He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus is proving a point here, and it's really simple. He's proving a point through this contrast, and this is his point. The only qualification to be made right with God is to humbly admit that you are unqualified and cry out to him for mercy. I'll put it another way. It's not those who think they have it together who are made right with God. It's those who know they don't have it together. Or I'll put it one more way, and these are the words from Jesus in Mark 2. He says, um, he says that, you put it up there, Dana? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see the point Jesus wants to make through, that's a single verse, and then he wants to prove the same point through this story. It's not those who think they have it together. It's not those who think they are righteous. It's those who, are, who know they are sinners that will be made right with God. It's the people who, got, who cry out, God, be merciful to me. Not because I deserve it, not because I earned it, but because I need it, and I'm trusting that you will give it to me. These are the people that will be made right with God. These are the people that will be justified and will spend eternity with God. The people who say, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. These are the people that will be made right with God. And this is the contrast that Jesus wants to show us through their prayers. One of them is trusting on his own righteousness. The other is not. One of them is not seeing things clearly. He's seeing them upside down, like us trying to read that text earlier. And one of them is seeing things right side up. He's seeing, the tax collector sees reality. May God show us what the reality is. This is the reality, guys. We all have sinned and fall terribly short of the glory of God, and we are desperate for his mercy. A lot of times we don't see this, and sometimes even us having it together gets in the way of us seeing it, because we think that we can, can, get, we can be right with God just because we're kind of a good person. The tax collector doesn't, doesn't believe that. He sees things right side up. He sees, I'm a mess. I fall terribly short of the glory of God. It's only by mercy that I could ever be made right with God. Here's, here's, a, here's a, a, an illustration to, to help us understand. Is anyone in here a swimmer? I'm raising my hand just to show you how to raise your hand. I don't swim. I, 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 I don't swim. I try not to drown. Um, so in the first service, we had Jaffrey Clark in here, who I believe was an Olympic swimmer. Um, and then uh, we have somebody like me who's not a great swimmer. So let's say we all went to the Jersey Shore and said, all right, we're all going to try to swim to France. Okay, who would get further, me or Jaffrey Clark? Jaffrey would get further than me. Would either of us even get close to France? No. It's a silly illustration to help us to understand this. We fall terribly short of the glory of God. Some of us may look better than others. Some of us may have it together on the outside more than others, but we all, if you zoom out on the map, me and Jaffrey are going to look like we're right next to each other. 
because we both fall terribly short of being able to swim to France. And in the same way, we all fall terribly short of the glory of God. We need mercy. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I do a lot of ministry with, um, with addicts, and it's, I tell them sometimes, and I, I also do prison ministry, that sometimes it's a blessing to have outward obvious struggles like that just because it shows us quicker that we are desperate for Jesus. Unfortunately, when we have outwardly everything together, sometimes we're blinded to the fact that we desperately need mercy. The tax collector is not blinded like this. He sees it right side up. He says, I am desperate for mercy. I'm going to fall to my knees, and I'm going to pound my chest, and I'm going to say, Lord, be merciful to me. This is the contrast we see in the prayer. The Pharisee is counting on his own righteousness. The tax collector is not. So whose righteousness is the tax collector counting on? We'll get to that in just a second. Let's look deeper into his prayer. Have mercy on me, a sinner. What is mercy? Has anyone got a definition for me? Go ahead, Mason. That's exactly right, Mason. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. Excuse me, not getting what you deserve. The tax collector is saying, Lord, I deserve punishment. I deserve your wrath. I deserve your just punishment for my sin. But I'm asking for you to give me what I don't deserve, mercy. That's the tax collector's prayer. What do we all deserve? We all deserve punishment for our sin against the holy God. We have all fall short of the glory of God and and deserve his punishment. The tax collector is asking for mercy. He's asking for what he does not deserve. So how can he get it? How How can he get this mercy? There's only one way the tax collector can get what he's asking for, mercy. And it's through Jesus. Because Jesus took what we deserve. The punishment, the wrath of God, the curse of the law, condemnation, the anger and wrath and fury of God that was justly meant for our sin, Jesus took on the cross when he hung there. He took what we deserve so that by faith in him, we can have what he deserved. What does he deserve? Perfect standing with God. Perfect eternity with God. Perfect union with God. Perfect righteousness before God. Jesus took what we deserve so that we could have what he deserves. Do you guys see that exchange? Theologians call it the great exchange. That's an understatement. It's the greatest, greatest, greatest exchange. Our sinfulness goes to Jesus. His righteousness comes to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what the tax collector is pleading for. Lord, give me what Jesus deserves, not what I deserve. Now, you don't see Jesus in the text there, right? The tax collector doesn't say anything about Jesus or anything about the cross, but I want to show you guys something super interesting that only, only my, you know, 10th time through was I able to find this in my study. Jesus is telling this story. He's telling this parable. Um, let me ask one of the kids. Was the Bible written in English? Hebrew, good. So, so the Bible was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. I asked that earlier, and my man Paxton up. I was like, what, what language is it written in? And he said, God. And I was like, amen, brother. Um, but so it was written in Greek. So, so some of these words are a little different if you look at them in the Greek. And Jesus could have used any, uh, he could have used the normal word that's used for mercy in the New Testament. But he chooses to use another word, halaskomai is the Greek word. 
It's only used twice in the New Testament. Here and in Hebrews 2.17 where it says that Jesus would become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Halaskomai means atoning sacrifice. Why did Jesus choose to use this word as he's telling this story about the Pharisee and the tax collector? The crowds would know what he's saying. The crowds would read this as Jesus is telling it, which is the tax collector would not lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast saying, Lord, be merciful to me through an atoning sacrifice. Jesus is preaching the gospel through this story. He's, he's, he's subtly speaking uh, to, to the crowds and saying that you need mercy. And the only way that that mercy can come is through an atoning sacrifice. And the one who would give the atoning sacrifice is the same person that's giving the parable, Jesus Christ. So whose righteousness is the tax collector counting on? He's counting on Christ's righteousness. Be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector is asking God to be merciful through an atoning sacrifice which would ultimately be provided in Jesus Christ. So the third part of the contrast we'll look at is how they leave. We looked at who they are, how they pray, and how they leave. So how do they leave here? It says that um, Jesus gets done talking about the Pharisee's prayer. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus tells us that this is how they leave. The tax collector goes home justified and made right in God's eyes, declared righteous. And the Pharisee, the religious leader, goes home not justified, not made right with God, at odds with God because he trusted in his own righteousness. This is the upside-down kingdom of God. That's why I threw the text up there earlier, because we, a lot of times, have to ask God to, to change, reorient the way that we're wired. We are wired to see things upside-down. Anybody in here have a quiz or a test in school this week? Anybody? When you do a, when you do a quiz or a test, you study, you do well, you behave right, and then you get a good grade. Some of us, if we work, we get a promotion. We're used to doing good and getting good in return. And Jesus flips that upside down in the gospel and shows us that it's only when we see that we are not good when we're given Christ's righteousness. And this is a different sermon for a different day, but when we do experience that mercy, it will totally change us. And it will totally make us want to live righteous and obedient lives before God. But Jesus is showing us the upside-down paradox. A paradox is something that seems to not make sense, but really it makes perfect sense. And in the Christian life, there's a lot of paradoxes. Jesus says that the only way to gain your life is by what? Losing it. He says that um, whoever would be the greatest of all must become what? A servant of all or the least of all. This is another paradox Jesus is showing us. It's not those who look like they have it together. It's those who admit they don't. It's not the religious leader who fasts twice a week who goes home made right with God. It's actually the thief tax collector who sees that he needs mercy. So I want to share something with you guys, uh, and then uh, I'll close with a couple thoughts. Um, me and, uh, th this, this story is very uh, special to me. As a new believer, it really helped me to see things right side up. And so I wanted to write something. Um, that captures this picture. And so me and my friend Nathan wrote a song 
where one of us was the Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And I'm going to do it. I'm not going to have the beat on. I'm going to do it a cappella, and I'm going to slow it down a little bit. And I, I, I pray that God would use it to paint this picture of what this scene would look like at the temple. So I'm a one-man band today. It's just me. So when I'm over here, I'm going to be the Pharisee. When I'm over here, I'll be the tax collector. Come into the temple to pray today. Somebody save me a space, so stay out of my way. As I come up the stairs with this rabble so rowdy, such a loud scene. I don't need this clown around me. I guarantee he don't know the law like I do. He ain't never read the scrolls like I do. He don't care about his soul like I do. Don't know how to pray, so he made it short like a haiku. May I remind you that these sinners here are all the same. They came because they did something that made them ashamed. They're embracing the pagan ways for days and days. Grateful I stayed away. In the haystack of sinners, baby, I'm the needle. Don't understand why they're so weak and feeble. But you know that ain't the way that we roll. So God, thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm a Pharisee and I'm blessed. Just got to drive by and holler because I'm being the best. And I know I keep you impressed because there's nothing that I need to confess. I've been reaping the benefits of keeping the tent. But this other dude is deeply depressed. I mean, if you could smell the greed on his breath, see him beating his chest, you would agree he's a mess. Man, you should teach him a lesson because he's been keeping all our people in debt. Don't got a scratch on my record because I'm keeping it clean. And now I'm living the dream if you know what I mean. I keep the feast. I fast a couple times a week. And I sleep on all the wannabes who can't get deep. I quote the law, Adam. I know of laws, Adam. Jehoshaphat, Aaron, and Moses' bad habits are no for me, like it's supposed to be. You know I'm totally devoted. Yo, he's having a moment. Have mercy on me, God. You're my only hope. I can't cope. It's like I'm sinking. Water's filling the boat. Water's filling my nose. Water's filling my throat. I can't save myself even if you threw me a rope. My sin's too heavy. Can't nothing keep me afloat. My sin's too dirty. The world ain't got enough soap. And I can't numb the pain. The world ain't got enough dope. And I can't laugh it off. The world ain't got enough jokes. Nope. Got nowhere to hide. Got nowhere to run. Can't even forgive myself for the stuff that I've done. Crack dealing, cat peeling, ski masks and guns. Just for fun. It would be generous to call me a scum. Since I was young, head sprung with smoke in my lungs. I'm ripping people off right down to the scent. Because I'm all about myself. That's just the way that I'm bent. To the fullest extent. Booze and greed is my stench. Cheat on my tests, cheat on my taxes, and I cheat on my rent. I got guilt in my heart, and it's getting intense. I want to turn to you, God. Help me get off the fence. Soften my heart, Lord, because it's hard as cement. I'm here at the temple because I need to repent. I don't just need mercy because I fight and I curse, or because I pick your pocket or steal your wallet or purse. My heart's messed up, and my mind is perverse. Man, the outside is bad, but the inside is worse. My heart is so dead, it's like my body's a hearse. It's so full of sin that I swear it could burst. I eat and drink all day, but still hunger and thirst. I'm going the wrong way. God, help me reverse. Reverse it? Please, take your pigeons and leave. Thank you, God, I'm not this thief with these tricks up his sleeve. I'm not here to manipulate. I'm not here to deceive. I'm asking for forgiveness, hoping I can receive. God, remember all the things I do for you? Love God, love my neighbor. Man, I'm two for two. Can't remember commandments, but broke the few I knew. Ain't nothing good in me. I'm a sinner through and through. I'm a two to two. Every day I'm teaching the law. I even made a couple up so that we cover them all. I tithe my mint, dill, cumin. I'm tithing my straw. I know how to play the game. I ain't dropping the ball. I got nothing at all. My list of good deeds is small. 
walking the walk. I'm not even crawling the crawl. A wise man once told me, pride comes before fall, so I fall at your feet, and at your mercy I call. God, I read Psalms, I'm giving the alms. This dude is making a scene, but see, I'm keeping it calm. All these sinners in the temple kind of makes me mad. I'm too humble to brag, but I got this in the bag, so God, I thank you that I'm not like him. I'm grateful that my standards haven't dropped like his. He is caught in his awful sin. It'll cost him, but I follow the law, so I know that I'm in. You're a God of holiness. Your ways are perfect. You're a God of justice, and I know that you'll serve it. I've been following Satan, living life with the serpent, and my heart is full of sin, and I know you can purge it. I'm on my knees begging. It's desperate and urgent. I don't need a Band-Aid. I need an open-heart surgeon. I don't know what to say. Don't even know how to word it. Have mercy on me, God, a sinner who don't deserve it. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For the one who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Lord, before I pray, I just want to say some, some closing thoughts that this point that Jesus wants to make is relevant for every person sitting in here. If you have never called on the name of Jesus for mercy, you can do that right now. It doesn't take a, a checkbox of things to do to get right with God. We just saw Jesus say, teach us through a parable that it, it's one thing you have to do to get, get right with God. And it's crying out to him for mercy. So if you have never called upon the mercy of God, you can do that right now. And you don't have to be in this room to do it either. You can do it on the way home. You can do it, to, you can do it wherever. There's nothing magical about church. That, that You can call out to God for mercy. My dad called out for mercy in the back room of a bar in 1973. It was never the same since, and I praise God for that. Call out to God for mercy if you have never called out to him for mercy. If you have called out for him for mercy, realize that this what Jesus is teaching here is not just an evangelistic thing for unbelievers. This is the heart posture that Jesus wants us all to have before him each and every day is to have a heart posture that sees, I am dependent on your mercy, Jesus. I need your help, Jesus. Be merciful to me, a sinner. The Christian life is one really big, have mercy on me, a sinner, and then millions more of smaller, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is the Christian life. There's, it's not a checkbox of things to do. It is calling on the mercy of God and letting him do it. In our justification and our sanctification, Jesus would say the same thing. Be like the tax collector. Call out to me for mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you, get, you show mercy, Lord. That you give us what we do not deserve because Jesus took what we deserved on the cross and now, Lord, by faith in you and by crying out, have, merciful, have mercy on me, a sinner, we can be given what Christ deserves. Righteousness, eternal life, eternal security, eternal union with the Father. Lord, I pray for anyone in here, Lord, who has never called upon your name for mercy. God, would you please, Lord, open their mouth to call upon your name. Lord, don't let us see things upside down. Don't let us see, don't, give us a reality check, Lord. All of us, God, that we would see that we are desperate for you, Lord. It's not just those who um, fall into certain sins that we deem intolerable that need your mercy. We all desperately need your mercy. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. So, Lord, give us all a reality check and bring us to our knees to cry upon you for mercy, knowing that you will generously give it 
through the halaskamai, through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. And Lord, in response to that, Lord, let us live lives that are worthy of the gospel in obedience and love and worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.